Hello, welcome to Khelna TV. Our next guest on the Beyond the Score podcast is a household name in sports broadcasting, having called many iconic moments in both Indian and world football. Uh, Joe Morrison is best remembered by fans in the subcontinent as the host of C2K Countdown to Kick Off, the match day show on Ten Network that covered Champions League, uh, UEFA Europa League, and of course I League back in days. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? How lockdown is treating you? Good, very good, very good. I hope everyone is safe and happy and healthy in this uh, crazy, crazy world that we live in right now. So, are you following Indian football uh, since you stopped working with the uh, the broadcaster here? Well, there's been no Indian football, has there, for since uh, what? Since March, February, something like that. So, that not this year, obviously. Right? But yes, uh, certainly since um, you know, I still try and get over to uh, to one of the ISL games at least once or twice a year. Um, I doubt that's going to happen this year, but uh, yeah, I do. I, and I follow quite a lot of the games and the games that I can't see, I'll try and see if I can see the highlights or the goals or stuff like that. But yeah. And uh, of course, we are still uh, watching you nowadays on the Facebook uh, for the La, La Liga broadcast in, in subcontinent. Facebook watch is La Liga, yeah. How was that experience? Uh, you know, working with a social media giant for a broadcasting of a football league? It, it's, um, it's a great experience. It really is. It's been a challenging experience and it's been a really interesting experience as well, Ashish, because um, as you well know, 80% of, uh, in the Indian subcontinent, 80% of people are consuming uh, sport and other TV content on a, a mobile phone or on an iPad or tablet or on a small device. So, um, you know, trying to change what I've been in TV for 20 years, um, traditional TV, linear TV, and trying to change my mindset to understand how people are consuming uh, content now has been really eye-opening and really exciting as well because, um, you know, I love the big screen experience. That's where I'm from. That's what I grew up with. But the modern generation, it's, um, it's a completely different, uh, completely different experience and they want it in a different way as well. So, I mean, I know we'll talk more about it, Ashish, as we, as we go on through this interview. But yeah, fascinating, exciting. And it's the future. It's as simple as that. It's the future. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, we remember as a teenager, we, we got the mobile phones when we passed our school or we entered the college days. Nowadays, I see small, small children, you know, fifth class, sixth class, they have their own mobile phone. So, of course, I think mobile is the future and that's where we're moving into it. And that's how we are also trying to make a, a space in the digital, on digital scenario mm. for Indian football through now. And we are mm. glad that you have uh, taken the time out to join us. So You're doing uh, a great job, Ashish, a great job. And I must say as well, you know, I want to support all of the portals, all of the digital platforms, anyone that is doing anything that supports Indian football, I will support because you know what? We need more voices like yours. Okay. So now coming back to Indian football, what do you feel right now, you know, on the current state of the Indian football? ISL is now top league. I-League has been now kind of made the second league. Mohan Magana joined the ISL. So, what is your view on that? Just, you know, overall view before we move into the de details. Uh, how long have you got? Um, so, here's the thing. I don't care what the top league is called. I don't care if it's the 
Indian Super League, the ISL. I really don't care. The most important thing to me is that it's a league, that it's a league. It is a league format, a league system, and not this stupid Mickey Mouse knockout um, competition that they get to at the end of a league season. I've never understood that. I've never understood that. I know why they wanted to do that, because everyone wants to follow the IPL model, plus you had IMG involved to an American uh, conglomerate who, you know, base uh, all of their their um, uh, what's the word uh, their models, if you like, on the way American sport is done. And there's a lot of knockout format in American sport or playoffs. Playoffs. Let's call it playoffs. But it is Mickey Mouse. Um, so it, it to me it doesn't matter whether it's ISL, I League One, I League Two, um, whatever the name would be, as long as the top tier is a league and that you can do promotion and relegation. So it's great that they've now said, right, okay, you can do promotion and relegation. I think it's after, what is it, after two or three years? Yeah, so in the next that? three years, we will have team coming from I-League and then they will have promotion and relegation. First promotion will yes. happen for a couple of years, then the relegation will also start. Yeah, so there are certain fundamentals in football, Ashish, which, and I'll tell you why I'm so passionate about this and I'll tell you why it's so important to me. Because... What happens in the league system, uh, professional football leagues in India, has a very, very big effect on what happens with the national team. And at the end of the day, what we all care about, I think you'll agree, Ashish, and what everyone cares about in India is what happens with the national team. Is the national team improving? So if, it's a, if the best team in India has happened, uh, what was it? two seasons ago when Bengaluru finished the season 10 points clear of Chennai. Yeah. And then they lost the final and Chennai went into the AFC. How, how is that rewarding and promoting Indian football in Asian football competition? Tell me how that, that helps Indian football. So, it's, that's how stupid the system is. I think, so, they, yeah. So they also heard you. Now this season they have changed the rule, by the way. So now they're giving mm -hmm. more importance to the uh, club who is finishing on the league stage. For example, mm -hmm. Goa, who finished topped on the uh, after the league stage, they are now qualified for AFC Champions League group stage. Mm -hmm. And of course, then you have final, uh, semi-final, and final, and the winners also get the AFC Cup. Uh, uh, Correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, spot. So I think yeah. they are moving into that, you know, because uh, everybody thought it back in 2014, you know. You need that extra push in Indian football to bring that money, to bring that glamour in. Mm -hmm. Maybe because mm -hmm. we Indians are fan of, say, Tarka, you know, we like uh, when there are lights and action. So <laughs> we needed that for in, for in Indian football, especially to uh, grab yeah. the eyeballs. I feel we have the eyeballs now. And now you see the, the decision they have been taking last two years. For example, as you said, the league stage champion now is going to the Champions League, not the winner. And hopefully, right. what I heard from our sources, in couple of seasons, you might get opportunities when there might not be any playoffs or finals, you know. So, they are moving yeah. towards that. So, so here's the thing. And um, look, there are, are so many things that uh, IMG Reliance and the Indian Super League have done right. But there are also so many things that they've done wrong. And I totally agree with you. In the early days, they needed a bit of hype and hoopla and they needed to get some names in. I understand all of that. I get that. And you've got to remember, in, 
in the final days of uh, the I-League before the ISL, the product on the pitch of I-League was improving massively. Yeah. However, what was happening off the pitch was still terrible. It was like going back 50 years. Um, contracts for players weren't great. Uh, there was no marketing whatsoever. The TV, TV broadcast of 10 Sports, as it was at that time before it was taken over by uh, Sony Entertainment Networks, was terrible. It was really shockingly bad. The quality of it bad, the production quality was bad. So they needed to reinvent it. I understand that. But the direction that they went in and paying players ridiculous sums of money, superstars who, uh, was it Freddie Lundberg? Was it Freddie Lundberg that yeah. only played um, 20 or 30 minutes or something of, uh, was it Freddie Lundberg? Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, for um, Mumbai over the entire season because he was permanently injured. I mean, it, there was things that they did which were totally unsustainable and which were totally crazy and didn't make sense to me. Now, fast forward to today, <clears throat> excuse me, and you've got a situation whereby we still have the Mickey Mouse playoffs, but that's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is the teams are not playing. <clears throat> they're not playing enough games, in my opinion. Yeah. If you go to the final, I think it's 21 games. Is 21. that right? Yeah. So, if you go to the final, so, if you don't go to the final, it's what 17, uh, 18 17, games. Yeah. So that Something was the, like that. So AFC, uh, what we told, have told ISL in AFF uh, that from this season onwards, you need to have 26 league games. And what I'm, what we are told, and we reported this also, that uh, ISL and AFF were planning three leg ISL uh, for the mm. league stage. Every team play three games instead of two mm. against each other, you know, so mm. that they can fulfill the uh, that uh, requirement for AFC Champions League. Because if you want to play mm. in Champions League, you need to have, you need to play at least 26 games. So mm. they uh, discussed this new structure. Sadly, COVID happened. Now they are, we are back to again, you know, uh, 18 games, mm. uh, league games now. And uh, mm -hmm. what we are told that they're going to increase team next season again. And then hopefully mm -hmm. we'll have the, this three-legged uh, format where each one team play against each other three times so that they can right. fulfill the 26-game uh, right. uh, requirement for Champions League. Now, so games it's not are also a perfect increasing. System. It's not a perfect system, actually, but great. It's better. I mean, that's what they do in Scotland because there yeah. are so few teams in the Scottish Premier League. You know, they play home, away and home. And the next season, they play Another home, away home. and away. So, yeah. um, so it's not a perfect system. But I'll tell you why that's important. It's important for, for a couple of reasons. And I'll come on to the second one in just a minute. It's important because the players are not getting enough games, number one. So when they go and play international fixtures, they don't have the same amount of experience as their contemporaries from other nations who are playing leagues which have played 26 games in their season, 30 games, 38 games in their season in some cases. So the players, the, the national team players, <coughs> and for, for the club players to be successful in AFC, need to be playing as many games as possible. That's number one. Number two is the more games you do play, Ashish, the more opportunity it gives uh, peripheral players, like say a young player that's just come into the squad. You know, when you're playing that many games, you can give the young player some game time. Sometimes it's uh, forced because a player in that young player's position has come out with injury. So you can put him in, you have to put him in and play him. 
sometimes, however, it gives the manager more breathing space to put a player on for 15 or 20 minutes. When you have such a short season with club owners that are hiring and firing coaches, all they care about is putting the best and strongest players out for those 17, 18 games and just getting as far as they can to survive, the coach to survive. So when you do a longer season, a coach can afford to lose a match and still win the league. Yeah. But when you have such a short season, Ashish, a coach, if he loses one game, two games, you're way down the bottom of the table. They and don't that, have that, that. That happened that. with Chennai FC last season. They won the ISL before, John Gregory, and he had a bad start. So they mm. basically, I think they tried, they discussed earlier also, he wanted to left earlier. But they requested him to stay and then eventually he left by his own. He felt that he can't make any difference. And then they hired Owen Coel from England and he took Chennai from the, you know, from the bottom of the table to the ISL final. So, very, mm. you know, we don't, we don't get much time to uh, react, you know, and you have to react quickly sometime. And of course, as I yeah. said, coaches does not get time to react also, you know, because yeah. you have game every four or five days. So, you can't make those tactical changes also because... You're just doing recovery sessions and then playing matches or traveling. You know, you're not getting much time to train. So for the foreign players, that's not important because their technical skills are of such a high level that it doesn't matter. But for the Indian players and particularly the young players, they need coaching sessions. They need to be coached. And you're absolutely right. At the beginning of the ISL, when the games were being played back to back, you couldn't coach a young player because it was literally travel, uh, game, uh, recovery, travel, game, recovery, travel, game, recovery. There just wasn't enough time to coach the skill set of young players or players that needed work, you know, maybe some more senior players that needed work on a particular aspect of their game. So that's also another point which we're told that, you know, FSDL is planning to move games into the Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday slots. Uh, this is, of course, pre-COVID. Uh, now, COVID have changed all the discussion of having 26 games having game on the weekends, you know. So they, they were discussing these things, you know. It's And I think they understand that these are the important points because these are the feed, uh, same feedback is given by coaches to the league also, you know. So that's why mm. they are slowly, slowly making these changes. And they, I think, they also understand they can't make changes all of a sudden in one go, you know. They're trying to build a but product. Here's the thing, Ashish. Here's the thing. And this is the, the, the excuse that I will not accept from anyone involved in Indian football. They... People keep saying to me, oh, we're making progress. Yes. Yes. Indian football is making progress. I totally agree. But the speed of progress is too bloody slow, Ashish. For our size of our country. It's too slow for a country that is plus 100 in the world, that is kicking around 18, 19 ranking in Asia. And that ranking is more important than the FIFA ranking. Everyone talks about the FIFA ranking. I don't care about (laughs) India's FIFA ranking. I do care about India's AFC ranking, uh, and I'll tell you why a little bit later on. But the, the problem is that progress has to be so fast right now. The development of players and the coaching of players takes time. You can't turn a player who is inexperienced into an experienced player in one week. That just doesn't happen. It takes time. However, what you can do, Ashish, is the decision makers can make decisions quickly. So make your decisions quickly. Don't sit on decisions for one year, two years, three years. The things that they're doing now in the ISL should have been done four or five years ago. But they've sat on those decisions and that boils my blood. 
Yeah. So I think let's see how they do it. And now the situation of COVID is not helping us also. So just talked about India's ranking in FIFA and AFC ranking. So what are your thoughts? Stephen took the team in 2015, you know, and he tried to build up particular group of players. He never changed them. And he helped us. He took India to the Asia Cup. You know, we missed 2015 edition and we went to 2019 edition. And we won the game in Asia Cup. I don't know from how many long years, you know. And we uh, defeated Thailand. Of course, who have better league system than us. Uh, and they were favorite and we defeated them. And I think we did okay. And what are your thoughts on that? And uh, especially then after Stephen left, after Asia Cup, I got Steamac has taken over. Uh, we have not performed well in the uh, World Cup qualifiers. Uh, we lost against Bangladesh. Lost or draw, I think, against Bangladesh. So your thought on that? And, draw, yeah. Uh, yeah, draw. And of course, we are now uh, hoping to qualify for Asia Cup again. So your overall thoughts on the national team progress in last five, six years under Stephen and then I got so, Stephen? So... Uh, here's the thing. Um, it's a great question, Ashish. The, the other two teams that were in the in their group in the Asia Cup, so it was Thailand, UAE, and Bahrain, was it? Was yeah, Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah. Um, now, I watched all three games, and when India were offensive and played to their strengths, they did really well. Uh, they did fabulously against Thailand. Obviously, Thailand. got the win. Against the UAE, um, they were unlucky not to get a draw. Yeah. Out of that game, in my opinion, because I saw that game uh, in Abu Dhabi. And then I went to Sharjah to watch the Bahrain, Bahrain game. India game. Uh, and uh, Stephen made a couple of mistakes, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, number one, they weren't offensive anymore. They were on the defensive. And India is just not good enough. And uh, when I say not good enough, I mean mentally not strong enough, not good enough to defend for 90 minutes. They were always going to lose that game from the first five minutes. <clears throat> if they'd been offensive, like they were against Thailand, if they were offensive, like they were against the UAE, they would have got something out of that match. And I'll tell you why. Because sometimes, Ashish, offense is the best form of defense. If That's you can put your opponent on the back foot and make them think twice, you lack, uh, sorry, you deny them the freedom to play um, free-flowing football. Bahrain didn't have to worry once about an attack during that game. So you had Sunil Chetri on his own. So that was one mistake that they made. Uh, Tapa, I think, yeah, Tapa he was dropped. Should, should, he, he was dropped for Pernod Haldar. And Pernod Haldar yeah, not gave and, any and good performance that match. And I'll tell you why. Um, of the midfield, the Indian midfield, uh, Tapper, I think he needs a bit more coaching and he needs a, a bit more game time and a bit more experience and, you know, a bit more development. But I have never seen anyone um, in the current Indian setup in midfield who has got the composure on the ball, on the back foot, defensively as Tapper. He is very, he's a real cool cucumber when he's under pressure with the ball. And that's important. So if you'd had him in that midfield, if you changed your, your, your strategy to offensive and you had Tapper in midfield, you would have had a bit more control in the game and it would have made Bahrain think twice about coming forward and you might have got the point, the draw. Instead, when you sat on the back foot, and I know how a lot of these teams play around the Middle East, when their tails are up, Ashish, they are devastating. Yeah. When you put them under pressure, quite often they crumble. 
And they were never put under pressure, Bahrain. Never, ever, ever were they put under pressure, Bahrain. They were lit- it was literally like, come and attack us for 90 minutes and see what you can get. So, you know, was the penalty unfortunate? And some people will say, oh, bad luck, penalty, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It was a matter of time. I'm amazed that the penalty didn't come in the 70th minute or the 60th minute. I so think- my expectation of India, and I said this to a few of the players at that time, my expectation of India in that Asian Cup, look, they were never going to go to the final. Let's just be honest and realistic about that. But they should have gone to the knockout stage from that group. I think they were good enough to go to the knockout stage from that group. Now, coming back to Stephen Constantine, um, one thing he has to be given credit for, Stephen, is for bringing new blood into that team and supporting them, you know, giving them the opportunity. It's very easy for coaches, especially when they're under pressure, and coaches are always under pressure, especially national team coaches. It's very easy to bring a, a young player in. He doesn't quite perform quickly enough and therefore throw him out again. But Stephen supported the young players that he brought into the side, and that team needed some new blood. You had too many players in the team when Stephen took over who were um, uh, not too old in terms of age, but they were too old in terms of their football mentality. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, the game has moved forward. They hadn't moved forward. They had picked up too many. It's very hard to change habits the older you get, Ashish. Trust me. (laughs) I know. No, no, we are, as an Indian football fan, we understand, you know, we have seen Indian players hitting sixes and uh, eight runs from the wing when they crossed the ball to the second stand in the, behind the goalpost. And you talk about Thapa. Thapa is a modern midfielder, a new generation of footballer who is playing mm. for India since under 14 days, you know, and he understands mm. how modern football is played. So, talking about Stephen, Stephen gave near about 15 to 20 debut when he took it over 20, uh, 2015, you know, and then he selected his mm. core team. Uh, there are some fans mm. complained that he did not give some players who performed well. But I think he mm. made his mind that what is the core mm. of his team and what kind of players he need. And I think mm. if you uh, compare his overall uh, performance throughout uh, four or five years uh, when he, he was here, I think he did mm. well. And as you said, we, we yeah, deserve... Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he did a, a bad job. I would never say that. Um, like, you know, in the same way we were talking about the ISL and FDSL, he got many things right. He got many things wrong. I mean, I would the, the things I would question was even I thought his coaching was very strong. Um, I thought his man managing management was not great. And the reason I say that was when he came back in, and he uh, picked four captains. Was it four captains? Uh, that was my next and question. <laughs> de- and demoted uh, Sunil Chetri, who I don't care what anyone says, is was still is. Um, and I haven't seen anything that suggests anything different over certainly the, the, the short-term future, the best player that India have, to demote him was not good man management because Sunil Chetri is not an awkward character. Um, he's a great guy on the field. He's a great guy off the field. He's inspirational. He's a leader. Um, you know, so just to make a statement by dropping him, I don't think was good man management and told me a lot. And... Um, I think as well, tactically, sometimes when you came up against these teams like the Bahrains, you know, we were talking about the Asian Cup. Um, I think he could have made different decisions. So, uh, you know, it, it's if I was to, I would maybe give him a five out of ten. You know, if you were to. That was my next question of the rating. He, he, he wasn't bad, but there were things that he could have done better. 
also you have to consider that the time he came in you know we were between of isl and i league uh, it was not mm. easy to schedule matches in indian no, football calendar no, you know and no. you're not getting many friendlies initially and that yeah. changed when we moved into the asia cup you know slowly we calendar yeah. got better and we started getting games so yeah and as you said national team coach does not get chances to uh, coach their team no. so he wanted longer no. camps so that he can get his philosophy in so i think yeah maybe five it's is a bit harsh but i think he did overall well if you uh, consider it's a, the yes you're right ex- it's external a thankless, situation uh, yeah, atmosphere around him it's a thankless him. job it's a thankless job ashish and um at the end of the day you know the the biggest compliment i got to pay steven is that if you ask me did he take indian football forward in those uh, how long was he there five years was it or so he came in 2015 left in 2019 so four years yeah four years, years. um so did he take the game forward in those four years absolutely took indian football forward in those four years yeah and what about igor stimak uh, what are your initial thoughts on him so well we haven't seen enough of him you know we all we've seen is uh, how many games is igor um, been so involved he played, in so we far? played kings cup uh, in thailand we have played i think two uh, two or three games i will uh, mm. just get the and then we played one tournament in ahmedabad uh, we have got mm. three games and then we played these world cup qualifiers in which yeah. we have not performed so, the way we should have performed you know yes yeah, so um i don't know i i think it's still too early to judge ego i went to see the game in oman okay um india against oman uh there were times when i thought the indian team should have had better structure and better composure you see the thing is ashish that i say this all the time you can have a player who's tremendously talented when you put him under pressure against an opposition if that player crumbles then it doesn't matter about his talents because he can't perform he can't handle pressure you can have another player ashish who is maybe um not as good but under pressure he can deliver well i want the players who can deliver under pressure i don't want the players who are brilliant in the isl and then when it comes to the national team and you're playing uh china's and north korea's and bahrain's and uae's they just turn to jelly i don't need that kind of player so i think igor is maybe trying to you know find out the mentality of a few players because he's changed a few players and and the other thing as well is you know we were talking about steven constantine having a difficult job igor has a difficult job because he's got to take the team on again to an, another level he's got to you know push everything forward and i don't think the depth of pool of talent is there in indian football i really don't at asian level i'm talking about i just don't think there's enough players to choose from that have uh the amount of talent that can handle the pressure and have some sort of experience because of the reasons that we said at the beginning of this interview i e they're not getting enough game time with their clubs in the isl that's the problem So talking about uh, India has just won one match under Igor Stimak uh, mm-hmm. it's against Thailand Kings Cup we played a draw against Bangladesh and uh, Afghanistan uh, which all the fans feel that we need to defeat saf team you know south asian team Correct. which we were South-Asian. doing under uh, stephen and i remember uh, i don't know you remember not vip governments a netherland coach when he came in 2012 mm-hmm. or 13 he also wanted to you know implement that passing football style dutch football style in india under robban and we started struggling against nepal bangladesh maldives and all and i mean you know 
and we had a very bad record against this team during that uh, during his stint. So stop, stop, stop. Stop, yeah. stop, Ashish. You can only play tiki-taka football if you have players who can play tiki-taka football. So implementing a style is total nonsense at this level. When you go up to Champions League level and the teams like Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain and all the rest of it, you can put in any style you want because the players are so talented, they're so experienced and they're so good, Ashish, that you can tell them to play long ball, short ball, tiki-taka, it doesn't matter. That's how good, that's how the quality. India needs to be playing regularly against opposition that is equal or preferably better, higher. And they need to be challenged constantly at that. So to do that, you've got to build a momentum. And to build a momentum, it's just, just win. It's not about a style. If you've got players that can play in that style, play in that style, we're talking about Tapa, yeah? I know that if you played that style with Tapa in your midfield, it would work. But there are other players in that team who can't pass a ball sideways five yards under pressure. Yeah. Under pressure and find one of their own players. So what's the point in playing out the back if you've got players in your defense who are not comfortable playing five yards out the back under pressure? And You're going to lose. Yeah, so... I do lots of these videos, you know, with uh, our Kinlaw fans. And one one of my opinion is that why India don't have under why India don't have under twenty three team, you know, or a B team. So we have under nineteens, under sixteen who just get active during the qualifiers for the uh, twenty sixteen uh, under sixteen AFC Championship or under nineteen AFC Championship. Same way, we just have under twenty three team when we just have qualifiers, you know. I personally believe we need a strong under twenty three team and. Uh, where we can implement this style before passing those footballers to the senior team, you know, so that senior team coach have less work, less work to do compare what is there right now. And we don't have any B team or under 23 team playing regularly football, you know, we just get active yeah, well, during the well, tournaments. Your, your key point is regularity. That's your key point. You know, and I've said this, so what, so what has been fabulous and has been real progress is the setting up of junior leagues and having this progression of players and hunting for talent, scouting for talent across India. That has been brilliant over the course of the last five years. However, it gets to a point, Ashish, where all of this talent goes off a cliff because there's nothing else. If you've only got two leagues, right? All right, three if you, if you consider I-League two. But wait a second, <laughs> your ISL team's only got 10 teams in it. So... You've got a limited number of teams. If you're bringing this flood of talent through because you've increased scouting, you've increased uh, the number of junior clubs, you've increased the number of junior leagues or baby leagues as they call it. If you've got all of those things in place, then you've got a huge flood of young players coming through and making this progress and starting that climb. And then they get to here and there's not enough professional clubs for them. So they go off a cliff. Not every player, Ashish, is ready and developed at 16 or 17 years old, especially in a place like India. So they have to continue their progression. And to continue progression, they need to have opportunities to play either professional, preferably, or semi-professional. And too many of them are being lost. There's, there's far too many players <clears throat> excuse me, that are being lost to the system. And they've never thought about this. Yay, we're doing more scouting. Great. We're looking for more talent. Great. More baby leagues. Great. 
More coaching at youth level with better coaches. Great. And then what do you do? Then what do you do with the talent? Once you've found the talent, what do you do with the talent? Still, still, Gapreet Singh Sandhu is the last player to go out on a long-term contract to Europe. Yeah, and Gapreet we'll come on this on the later because I want to discuss more on that also. Oh. <laughs> still. So, uh, hoping that FIFA is going to, you know, uh, change the World Cup number of teams going ahead. Uh, there are talks of having 48 teams, having eight teams from Asia. Uh, do you think India can make it to maybe not 2026 20, uh, or maybe 2030 or 34? Do you think we have a chance nope. at this rate? No. 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 Simple and, as that. No. And, and anyone who says otherwise, Ashish, is talking nonsense. They don't know what they're talking about. And I'll tell you why. Because, so this is what the setup is going to be. It's going to be eight plus one for AFC, for the Asian group. So there'll be eight teams that go through to uh, the new enhanced uh, World Cup. Cup, the new plus one uh, playoff spot, plus a playoff spot against one of the other um, uh, mostly South America, or, yeah, North correct, America. Yeah. against one of the other foot. Right. So to have a chance, Ashish, to have a chance with that, you have to be in the top ten in Asia. And like I said at the beginning of this interview, where is India? They're constantly yeah. knocking around to 20. 18, 19. You know, they've been down as low as, is it 12 or 13, something like that at one point, but they've never yeah. really broken through that. India needs to be 10 and below to have a very real chance of going to a World Cup. A very real chance, a realistic chance, not a fantasy chance, like you hear politicians and sports ministers <laughs> and people from FDSL and all of that bullshit, Ashish. They need to have a realistic chance. They've got to be hovering around by the way, they might be able to get away with 11th and, and have a good run in the qualifiers, but they need to be the standard of quality of 10th in Asia minimum, in my opinion. Now, yes, I would like to see them uh, 9th or 8th or 7th, okay, but you can get, if you're that level and that quality, you can get a good run and get some luck and all that kind of things and qualify for the World Cup. There's no one, no one wants to see them qualify more than I do but it has to be realistic because India getting the World Cup and hosting the World Cup is also equally far away. Yeah. You know, there's certain standards that have to be met for India to, to host the World Cup. And everyone, you know, some people talk about infrastructure. Yeah, things would need looked at because the football stadium in India right now is shockingly bad. That never in a million years would stadiums in India qualify for FIFA um, rules, regulation, standards. So that's one, infrastructure. The other as well is FIFA looks at revenue generation. So, you know, you have to also consider the commercials of it. Would India be able to deliver the, it used to be, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be you had to deliver 2 billion uh, net revenues to FIFA for a World Cup. Now, you know, you've probably heard all the rumors that Qatar um, in their model couldn't deliver 2 billion, but they have said that however much it's short, if it's 1 billion short, we'll just pay the difference. Russia yeah. is supposed to have done the same, allegedly. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Those are two countries that can pay the shortfall. Could India, if they could only generate 1 billion in revenues, deliver the other 1 billion out of, um, out of government funds and finances? Not possible. <laughs> Not possible. And even and if it was possible, 
you're living in a democracy and people would challenge it and they would yeah. say like, no, 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 this is not allowed. You know, yeah. we have hospitals that we need to improve infrastructure, public transport, you know, lots of things that require government funding. We can't afford to give one billion to FIFA just for a football tournament. So yeah. they ain't hosting anytime soon and India isn't going to the World Cup anytime soon. And that's just the reality. I wish it wasn't, but it is. So just adding to that, you know, uh, we have a big population, but we don't have buying population. You know? People who buy stuff, you know, match tickets or say merchandise and everything. So which we have seen in past, European clubs mm-hmm. failing on that. They, they think that they will tap Indian market, but it is not that easy market. So uh, another thing I want to say, it's not just making it to the World Cup. I feel that India need to progress into the you know, next stage of the qualifiers. where we, we generally get knocked out in the second round, which is the first round for us. We need to qualify to the next stage and we need to play the big teams, you know, the, the Japans and the Chinas and the uh, Koreas and the Qatar on a regular basis. And then in Asia Cup, we need to, you know, also qualify for knockout round, not just the group stage. I think if we can do that in next, say, two additions, next 10 years, then I think we can make, uh, maybe make, we can make a late push for uh, 2036 or 2034, sorry. <laughs> and and, and, the, and the two things that are required to do that are to get more players out of India into yeah. better uh, leagues and also as well for the Indian national team to play more of those top 10 teams in Asia. And by the way, it's very easy to do. It's very easy to arrange fixtures and friendlies against the top 10 teams in Asia. This is the problem. But we the don't arrange any normal is, friendlies. If talking about top 10 is, <laughs> is something no, no, distant dream for, I'm, us, for us. <laughs> Ashish, um, India, if they really wanted to, could play Brazil and England and Germany um, in every single opportunity for a friendly if they wanted to. However, here's the issue. All of those teams will require a minimum amount of money to come to India and a minimum standard of training facility and all the rest of it to come to India to play those friendlies. And they're not prepared to pay that. What? India has, what is it, the most billionaires in the world? (laughs) India's not short of money. (laughs) That's what you're telling me. You can't (laughs) invite these teams from Asia to come and play because they will not come unless they're in a five-star hotel, unless they have certain training standards and facilities and you refuse to pay that? Oh, we have done in on. past, you know. So it's not that possible. So we have seen Bayern playing against India in Delhi for Baiching Bhutia mm-hmm. Fable game. We have seen Messi mm-hmm. playing in Kolkata, not against India, but another country. Ah, so yes, we ah, have yes, these moments. No, but wait, that was different. The Argentina against uh, Venezuela. Venezuela. I was there. I was at the game in yeah. the Salt Lake Stadium, um, sitting next to Baiching actually. Um, uh, that game was was privately organized, so it was it was private funding or private money that funded that game to bring them. It wasn't state money. It wasn't yeah. That's what I'm saying. But that's possible, NFL right? Money. But that's possible to possible, do. Yes. If private body it can do it, the state can also do it, or the federation can also do it. Yeah. But they've got to work together. They've got to work together, Ashish, to do that. I think even not playing Brazil and Germany, if we are fine, if we can play Qatar, UAE. China, South Correct. Korea, Australia, Correct. these kind of country on regular basis. And because Correct. we have to play qualifier against these countries, I think it's, it does not matter if we play against South America or European team, because it matters that we play against Asian teams, because eventually mm-hmm. we have to play them during the qualifiers. And if we play them mm-hmm. on a regular basis, it might give us some chances to uh, against them during the qualifiers if we face them. Mm-hmm. So it will help. Yeah, correct. You will learn something. You will learn something about how your players react to their style of play, 
You will learn something about the mentality of your players playing against. Just coming back to what I said before, putting players under pressure. When you're playing, no disrespect, um, SAF teams on a regular basis, your players aren't under enough pressure because they're the better team in most cases. So you need players to be put under pressure to find out who can survive and who can't. So another thing, just to finish this, before we finish the national team thing, Middle East, uh, India have very good fan following. You know, Whenever we play football there in any of these Middle East countries, UAE, Qatar, Kuwait, we get lots of Indian people coming onto the stadium to support us. Do you think India need to explore uh, more for the training purpose? Instead of going to Europe, they can come yeah. to, you know, and play yeah. some type of friendlies there. We will get crowd support also. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great idea, Ashish. Absolutely great. Um, because you're absolutely right. I was at the game uh, in Oman, in Muscat. I went to both the Bangladesh game and the Indian game. Now, the Bangladesh game, they had just opened the doors and they never expected half the stadium to be Bangladeshi fans. It was amazing to see. Now, they restricted the number of fans for the Indian game. It eventually filled up, but it took a long time, you know, to, to fill up. And I know there were a lot of restrictions. I know that for the Bangladeshi fans, I don't think they were charging for tickets, if I remember. But for the Indian fans, they did charge whatever it was. And uh, there was a limited reals. number of tickets, by the way, for Indian fans. There were a limited number told. of tickets as well. But I'm sure that if they'd done the same thing as Bangladesh then, um, you know, there would have been maybe just as big a, an appetite. I didn't know this at the time, but I, I found out afterwards. So, um, yes, it's a great idea because you have a huge Desi population here in the UAE, you have a huge Desi yeah. population. <laughs> Can you imagine going and playing a game, for example, against the likes of South Africa in Durban? There's a huge Desi population in yeah. Durban and in, in South Africa in general. So you could go and play a couple of games in South Africa. So it's a great idea. And um, the training facilities, I know certainly the training facilities here in the UAE are fabulous. They're absolutely fabulous. Premier League teams come Comes and train. to UAE for a you know, winter. Uh, hot, hot weather uh, Yeah, in the, for their winter break. So there's nothing wrong with the standards and the quality. It's not very far. It's a couple of hours flight. Um, and of course, you know, they, can, uh, they get all the support because there's a lot of Indian business here as well that would facilitate them. So, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. So, wrapping up the national team, let's move towards I-League and tell us something about your experience of commenting on early days of I-League, you know. Uh, I, many of the our viewers might not be watching Indian football that time, but I remember watching Kolkata <laughs> Derby uh, with you and Baji on the commentary box. And yeah, just tell yeah. us how was that experience, you know, coming from outside to India to cover Indian League. Um, I wanted to do more of it, but um, uh, just going back to what I said earlier on in the interview, there wasn't a huge appetite for putting production value into I-League games at that point in time. But Carlton, Budgie, myself, we thoroughly enjoyed our time in Calcutta for the, uh, for the, the derby match. And the thing as well was, at that particular time, it was the stadium before it was renovated. So yes, it wasn't the best stadium, but it was very full. I can't remember exactly. I think it was maybe 90, 95,000. So it was a great atmosphere. And I have to be honest with you, Ashish, and say that um, I would probably put that particular match experience from a broadcast point of view in my top five ever that I've done. And I've done games That's at great. the San Siro in Milan. Um, obviously, the two Classicos last season from the Bernabeu and from Camp Nou. 
Um, so yeah, I'd put it right up there with my footballing experiences. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The atmosphere, it's like electric. And I'm amazed that, you know, I know it's been difficult. I know there's a lot of politics involved, but I'm amazed that they didn't make more effort to get Moan Bagan and East Bengal involved in the Indian Super League earlier. Um, you know, it's a, bit, it's a bit of a shame that because you have this ready-made uh, traditional, true, real footballing passion over there. Hopefully, maybe by next season, we'll see them now together in ISL. So, Mohan Bagan has come into what I think East Bengal. Yeah, and I think, I think it's great. I think it's great that Mohan Bagan are, are involved. I, I, I've said this before. I wish they'd get rid of the ATK name. Yeah, ATK, so the, you know, ATK was set up for a reason, that name. Atletico de Calcutta, you know, because of the, the joint venture with Atletico Madrid. Well, that joint venture ended years ago. So, you know, why are they still carrying that moniker? I don't know. But uh, talking about the merger, uh, Mohan Bagan fans, uh, there was a demand of their, you know, to retain that traditional green and maroon and their logo colors and all. Everything is retained yeah. other than just putting the ATK before the name. So I think, do you think they got the fair deal of this merger? Yes. And I'm proud of them for doing that. I'm proud of whoever was involved in making those decisions to keep the logo, um, to keep the, the ship um, in the logo. Colors uh, of the, the jersey. Colors, the, the, the colors of the logo. Um, I think have done a great job. And, the, and, that, and it was a good idea as well because you've got to remember, Mon Bagan is one of the oldest clubs in, in the, the world. world. Yeah. They're older than Juventus and Liverpool. So, you know, you need these legacy clubs. Why, why does everything have to be thrown away? Uh, you know, don't start me, Ashish, on the <laughs> IFA Shield. Yeah. No, seriously, don't start me on the IFA Shield. What they've done with the IFA Shield is just scandalous, in my opinion. But anyway... I'm not going to talk about that. That's another conversation for another day. Yeah. But, you know, there's so much rich history of Indian football. Unfortunately, a lot of it was lost during the 80s, but certainly the 50s, 60s, 70s. There's a tremendously rich background and legacy to Indian football that should be used and should be played upon and should be um, embraced, you know, and it's not. Sadly, not many people know, know about it or not many things is available on the internet to know about, you know. Some mm. books have come on now in recent years, which have been putting some, some information to the people. But still, mm. I think young fans, I think they also need to look back into the history. Like I, I did, you know, when I started watching Indian football back in 2008, I started studying mm. what happened in 1950, you know, why did not went to mm. World Cup, what happened in the Asian Games, Olympics and all. And before mm. I made this journey towards Indian football. So I think we have a rich history, but it just, it needs to be told, right? It needs to be taught to the yeah. new fans. Yeah, so th there's nothing wrong with the history. There's nothing wrong with the legacy. The issue I have, Ashish, is the organizational aspect of those clubs needs brought into the modern era in a big way. Yeah. There are still too many dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know these little pot-bellied, short, pot-bellied men yeah, that are on these committees um, making decisions in Indian football, and it's not acceptable. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't care about the players, and that's a really important thing for me. The players are your biggest asset, and they don't treat them as assets. They treat them like slaves. They treat them like dogs in, 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 certain, uh, in certain parts of India. Um, so, you know, that's the bit of Indian football that needs modernized, is the decision-making um, at some of, the, some of these clubs. Yeah. 
So overall assessment of uh, success or failure of iLeague since it rebranded in 2006, you have been part of it and you have seen after that also you left India. So overall, did you feel iLeague did justice uh, in the re which rebranding happened in 2006? I think early uh, year it was very good success, you know, uh, crowd wise, marketing wise, telecast wise yeah. from 2006 to 2008, 9. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm scared. I'm, I'm really scared, Ashish. I'm scared about the future of the ISL because um, uh, we're talking about history there. There's one or two people who are watching this, Ashish, who should go and read up, go and Google on the internet the uh, Major League Soccer in its first incarnation back in the 80s. Now, all of the fireworks and dancing girls and all that kind of thing, okay, great, but that's not sustainable for you to commit a league for the entire future for the next 100 years. Uh, I, I don't care how much of the glitz and glamour and Bollywood stars and all the rest of it you have at the games, the talent is on the pitch. And if you do not encourage that talent, and if you do not nurture that talent, and if you do not look after the costs as well, ISL could go the same way as the um, Major League Soccer did, MLS. Did I say MSL? Um, MLS, <laughs> MLS. Um, back in the 1980s, which went bankrupt. The league went bankrupt because yeah. you've got to remember um, they're businessmen and women who were involved in Indian football. And at some point they go, you know what? We're sick of losing money. We need to um, make money. And most of them still don't realize, Ashish, the only way to make money in Indian football is from player trading. That's the only way to do it. There's no TV money. Sponsorship is tiny. Uh, obviously, they're going to lose a lot in terms of gate receipts this season because of the COVID. But even so, ticket sales were not the, the bread and butter. They were not the bulk of the money being brought into a club. And then you were paying out these ridiculous wages. No wonder most of the owners of the first season of ISL are no longer involved in ISL. They're not stupid people. They're smart people. They're businessmen. <laughs> they're businessmen. So they will look for their cut their losses short, you know, if they're making losses again in the game. Losses. So it has to be sustainable. So you're talking about iLeague back then. It wasn't sustainable because they couldn't set up a marketable product that TV companies, that sponsors, that advertisers um, would buy into. Now, it was just starting to change with the advent of Bengaluru. And I still think Bengaluru is the model on which all other Indian football clubs should be built. And yes, there was a little bit of luck involved. You know, Ashley Westwood was just the perfect pick at the perfect time. I still can't believe that Ashley Westwood is not involved in some way, shape or form in coaching in Indian football, what he brought to Bengaluru. I mean, where else? Tell me where in European football would someone like Ashley Westwood, a contemporary of his in European football, um, deliver as much success as he did and change the way football as a professional outfit was done and then not have another job in Indian football, except for his short stint as an assistant to, uh, to uh, Teddy Sheringham, was it? Yeah, in um, as a technical director kind of role, I think. Yeah, it's, that's totally crazy. That's totally crazy. Well, I think he was that bad, was he? No, no, but Ashley also thought that, you know, he tried his luck outside, then came back. And in the, by that time, in those one, two years, uh, situation in Indian football coaching started changing. You know, clubs started moving from English coaches to Spanish coaches. So then I think club thought that, you know, say Bangalore, they moved to the, Bangalore moved to Spanish coach, Goa moved to Spanish coaches. So I think that also did not play in the favor of Ashley Westford, you know, and that was my question, you know, how was the influence of the foreign coaches, especially Spanish 
or the English also, which came into Indian football in the last five, six years. We have seen Owen Quayle, we have seen somebody like Sergio Lovera doing well at Goa, uh, Ashley Westwood, now Carlos, uh, Carlos Coded at uh, Bangalore, Albert Roca. So, do you think uh, bringing these professional coaches has helped in Indian football in the last five, six years? Um, yes, without a question of a doubt, it's helped. Uh, I mean, obviously, John Gregory won a title. Carlos Kudrat won a, a title. Sergio Libera uh, won a title, didn't he? Albert Rocca. Did Albert Rocca win a cup? Uh, he I won a cup. I think Libera did not win the uh, title. He just did finished uh, top of the table or the second in the table in the, is with Goa. Oh, uh, yeah, before the, that's right, yeah, before the, um, the playoffs, was it? Yeah, um, he was, he was the, sacked. Before, before the Mickey Mouse part. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, have they improved it? Yes, of course they have. But I come back to what I said earlier on, which is that, um, you know, they're trying to deliver some success for the team in a very short space of time. And what I'm interested in, and, and this is what you had with Bengaluru and Ashley Westwood in that I-League incarnation, you had a setup which allowed Ashley Westwood to improve the standards of the Indian players. That is important. Whereas, like you said, some of the, you know, this league is too short, there's not enough games, and there's not enough coaching going on. It's just about getting a team out onto the field of play and playing a set of tactics which allow you to win the match. That's the most important thing. I mean, I think, and Sunil Chetri will probably admit this, look at what Ashley Westwood did for Sunil Chetri when he first came. Do you remember, do you remember the Ferrari? Do you remember the outcry when Sunil Chetri was you know, put on the left wing? Brought as this star to Bengaluru and didn't play the first. What was it? What was it? Three games, four three games, games, something like that. And I'm, when he started, he started most of the on the left wing instead of the centre forward yeah, striker position. The, yeah, he played the left of a three uh, and all the rest of it. You know, because Ashley Westwood recognised at that time that he needed a bit of work on his game and his fitness and all those kind of things to play in a particular style, but. Uh, you know, not all the credit should go to Ashley Westwood. The credit should go to number one, uh, Ashley Westwood. The credit should also go to Sunil Chetri for having the humility to to accept that coaching and realise that the coach had his his best interests at heart. And the, the the credit should also go to the likes of Manda Tamame and uh, and Parth Jindal for supporting Ashley Westwood as well as owners. Because how many owners in that situation, Ashish, would have just gone, "We've bought this superstar player. <laughs> you have to play him, even if he's not fit or even if he's not." tactically uh, aware enough for that position or whatever. I mean, they supported him. So they have to be given a round of applause for that. But there's not enough of that in Indian football. There's not enough of those kind of owners in Indian football. There's too many owners which are higher fire, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, don't know what they're talking about. The last person to talk in their ear that gives them advice, you know, and the next thing they're clearing out. Anyway. I think one thing is that uh, ISL club, they need more football people, you know, who understand football. They generally hire a marketing guy, the CEO, and CEO is taking the decision for, you know, for the footballing. Oh, stop, stop. Marketing guys, go back to the first season of ISL. Yeah, I understand. People hired in positions, CEO, COO, and CEOs, <laughs> who were, the last time I saw them were bloggers or online journalists or what? How do you go from being an online journalist to, to being the COO of a football club? I don't understand that. And I remember one, you know, so I remember one incident, you know, it was with Mumbai City FC, their market player uh, during a flight telling somebody about the same thing that uh, you can't get success until unless you have footballing people running the club, not somebody coming from, say, a particular person coming from other field and running the club. Mm-hmm. So they say that's not how football is 
run worldwide and i think mm. hopefully now so for example kerala has signed the uh, sporting director uh, carolis uh, goa has the director of football ravi uh, he is a footballing mm. guy again again just like other aspect of the i uh, isl these are they also changing now clubs are thinking you know they need a footballing guy to run the footballing operation then they have mm. a marketing guy to run the marketing operation you know so earlier right, i yeah. think they did not get much chance to do research or to hire people but i still feel uh, we need more footballing guy between the owners and the coach or the club uh, playing Correct. playing staff you know and uh, we are right. still lacking on that maybe the new generation which coming up now will fulfill that yeah. but it is not easy to get the job also you know you need lots of connection to get the job so hopefully yeah, i think yeah. it will also change in next 4 5 years and yeah. talking about next 4 hey, 5 years yeah ashish i was going to say it's even the same in my industry i'm seeing people coming into football television who don't really have a passion or care for football because <laughs> if you do have a passion for or care for football you will go and see any football match you yeah. know i live here in in dubai i'll regularly go to a local game obviously not recently because of the covid but i'll regularly go and watch a local game just because i want to see live football yeah. not because i'm working on it i know people who will not even not have never been to a uh, a professional or even semi professional football match in india I and think, yet they're talking about it on tv and yeah, you're like well, what how uh, just because you're a fan of the champions league or <laughs> premier league or la liga doesn't make you um a football aficionado it makes you a fanboy is what think, it makes you yeah and that's my point is watching football games from stadium and watching football game from tv is totally a different Correct. experience and there is a reason why analysts are sit in the top of the stadium to analyze the game during live mm-hmm. analysis for the coaches yeah. you know not from the Correct. tv or replay you know so yeah because the, what happens on on television is the camera is following the play player but when you're in the stadium um if you really understand the game and you understand tactically what's going on in the game what happens off the ball yes. is just as important as what is happening in the zone of play and you don't see that on a tv screen which is why you have to go to watch a live match and it doesn't matter about the standard of it just go and watch a live professional match to understand about positional play tactical play and you know what's happening off the ball as well as what's happening on the ball and i think it's not just in india it's globally also if we see somebody like thomas muller who is a master of off the ball movement and off the ball play is not yeah. rated as high as other you know who who just scored the goal you know and i feel mm. during this champions league run his performance even lewandowski scored lots of goal during the mini tournament mm. also but i think is a muller performance overall which tick from yeah. uh, bayern and uh, talking about muller before flick came his performance mm. for bayern was dipping in last 2 3 years and i think now mm. his fine is mozo and form back again you know he is now mm-hmm. somebody you can see putting uh, uh, shifting kimich during the play center of the pitch muller is moving into the right back position you know mm. so he taking those mm. little little spaces and these are the things overall worldwide also people don't you know uh, value much um, they are already pe- mm. fan boys are fans of the fancy dribbles and the goals and the, you know not the dirty work which other players do on the pitch mm. it's a team game as neymar found out <laughs> last night okay so now moving from i league and isl let's move towards indian players uh, not many of the uh, our viewers knows and i i know this because i know gurpreet personally that you played very very important role of helping gurpreet from moving from east bengal if i remember correctly to mm-hmm. norway and uh, it was thorough planning 
uh, you I think I remember you and Bajji watching even the Kolkata derby, this the game you which mm. was speaking earlier, and mm. how that happened, and you know just give some thoughts on it, uh, why it is important for Indian footballs to move out. I will also share my experience because I also involved in couple of deals where I felt mm. that uh, player are pulled down. to go out and we will shed more lights you know on that but just yeah. more thoughts on gurupreet from east bengal days moving to norway you know training uh, um, going to wigan athletic for a trial how did you felt and how did you approach gurupreet for it so so yeah obviously we 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 met gurupreet uh, at that derby game and it was budgy who you know obviously being a goalkeeping coach had that eye uh, saw something in gurupreet um, that he liked um i think even gapreet would admit and uh, you know anyone who was following the i league at that time would say that gapreet definitely had talent but he lacked consistency and you got to remember he was still young um so when we went to wigan wigan wanted to wigan wanted to keep him for a a, a longer period because we were only there a couple of weeks uh, they wanted to keep him for a much longer period to evaluate him to work with him to coach him and then to to make a decision but East Bengal didn't want to do that they wanted him back um but you know uh, my principle is exactly the same ashish that any player who is is at a, at a decent and good and and top level in indian football should leave india backed and anyone who says they shouldn't is talking nonsense i was going to say a, a more <laughs> um bad word there uh, because that's how strongly i feel about it um so and i think uh, well i'll ask you the question ashish and i'll ask anyone the question who's watching this tell me that gapreet didn't come back a more improved player i followed his uh, by the way reserve team games in norway and you know i made good friends there a couple of people working in uh, journalism couple of agents also to just mm-hmm. follow what he's doing you know and it was not easy earlier now with the internet coming on we are getting mm-hmm. more game live streaming and he came far better uh, mature pers- as a person also because living alone is not easy far from home very different tough. situation uh, compared to india what kind of situation is there in norway mm. so of course he came as a better player and people also don't remember it i think i will just want to also ask you and sunil went to portugal for sporting mm. lisbon he went very late everybody agreed sunil also agreed he went to b team i think mm. he was there for a year and when sunil came back to india you know just training with the reserve squad he came as a far better player because in sunil game if you watch to pre sporting and post sporting the couple of things which were added the flick sunil were doing first touch in after uh, sporting game was amazing it was not there before mm-hmm. he was more of a goal scorer also mm-hmm. free kick i don't remember sunil taking much free kick before portugal game you know uh, before going to portugal mm-hmm. portugal and when he came back he started banging from free kick also so the, even as a 26 So Neil started uh, learn some new trades, some new skills. Correct. So I think it will happen if more young players go at eighteen, nineteen, twenty. They will learn more. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you know, I have uh, heard some people say very unkindly that, um, and I totally disagree with this. That Sunil's stint at, at Sporting Lisbon B was a failure. It wasn't a failure at all. Yeah, I, um, I totally agree with you. <clears throat> he improved massively as a player, and I'll tell you why you improved. You improved because. Um, You know they say that civilization moves at the pace of the slowest man. Now the same is true for football culture. If you are in a in a squad of players who are as good as and better than you, 
and particularly better, you will raise your standard. If you're in a squad of players of, of, of players who are worse than you and lower than you, you will drop your standard. That's just a fact. So when they go to these teams like Sporting Lisbon B, like when Gapreet went to, to Norway, um, you know, he was amongst a squad of players who were better than him and he raised his level, he raised his game. And that's why he came back a better player. So here's the thing about players going out. They are, they're now so many hurdles to players going out of India. And the primary hurdle is advisors and money. And the two are connected together. So what you have now is you have an abundance. It's an, there's been an explosion of agents, football agents in India. Um, most of them don't know what they're talking about, what they're doing. The ones who do know what they're talking about um, do not have the best interests of the player at heart. And what I mean by that is um, it is much easier for them to get their commission in India than it is to take a risk and, and to take their young charge, their young uh, player out of India for lesser salary. The salaries, and this is a good thing, by the way, it's not the worst thing that's happened, but it's now becoming a problem. Salaries of Indian players with the advent of the ISL have increased to levels that they, they should have been for a long time. They're getting paid their worth. The problem is for young players. Why would a young player take a risk to go to Europe, potentially fail in Europe and have to come back? And the, you know, the, the shame, the shame that comes with that um, for a lower salary when they can cruise in the ISL for more salary. So that's the, that's the challenge. Um, and then you have their advisors that come with it. So an advisor is going to go either directly to the player, if the player's old enough and mature enough, or he's going to go to the parents and say, hey, you know, look at this. We can get so many lakh in, in India. But if you go, that player goes to, to Europe and plays for... Because look, let's get one thing straight. There's no player going to one of the top five leagues in Europe tomorrow. It's just not going to happen. There has to be a level of realism. So you're going to be going to one of the peripheral leagues. Maybe he's in Eastern Europe. Maybe he's in Scandinavia or a second division uh, club in, uh, in one of the top five countries, such as a Spain or a, a Portugal or a France or Germany, whatever. So um, where's the encouragement for that? Well, when they put their own greed and their own self-interest in that, the players are just young. They, they don't know. They don't know the answers to life. Did you know the answers to life at 16? I didn't know the answers to life at 16. So you're going to take that advice. And that's what's wrong. It's like, you know, there are certain players in Indian football that should be gone, that should be out. And there's a very small window, Ashish, of age because clubs in Europe are looking at future value. So when I'm hearing about players that are past the 20 mark and are talking about going to Europe too Not late, possible. Too late. It's not possible. It's, it's it will be a late. marketing deal. If, if, if people if people forget, Ashish, Leo Messi left Argentina at 13 years old. The best player on the planet left at 13 years old. So why do you think, if you're 20 years old, that you can go on and play for Real Madrid? Because all of those steps to make it to the top level requires a year, in my opinion. And I think the steps are minimum five steps, five levels, if you like. So that's five years. So if you go at 20 to get into a position where you are a regular starter at a top European club, and when I say top, I'm talking about a first division club. I'm not meaning Real Madrid or Barcelona. 
I'm just talking about in one of the, you know, foremost Never leagues. The, yeah, one of the, the better, best leagues. Then it's going to take you five to six years. So you have to go at 14, 15 years old, not at 20, 21, 25, because by the time you add five years to that, you're 30. <laughs> if you yeah. go at 25, if you're 21, 22, and you add five or six years to that, yeah, you're 28. It's too late. Yeah. It's way too late. I was involved in, uh, if I remember in last four or five years since under 17 World Cup, four or five deals or discussion uh, with particular clubs from Norway, Sweden, Finland for Indian Youth International. Uh, there's a proper invitation sent by clubs to the AFF, to the parent club, to the players uh, for their trial or for the longer period of training. And I will tell you frankly, uh, not uh, out of those four or five, only one player thought, okay, I will go out and give a trial. Most of them were not even told that the club or federation received the offer from the, uh, this European club. And there was one Finland club who played against Chelsea in the Europa League or Champions League in the last one or two years. They wanted to uh, bring Indian Youth International uh, uh, for a trial. And uh, I will tell you, it's sadly, or it's, 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 it's a joke that that player was told not to go. If player agents around them, they are, they are, and another thing is the education, you know. Our players are not somebody who have taken the school education or the college education like the but, European but, but states. Ashish, Ashish, no, they are not independent enough to take their own decisions. So the other no. people who are taking decisions on their behalf. Yeah, but that's not important. And the reason it's not important is most of the players that come out of Latin America come out of the barrios and the slums and they are not educated either. However, there is already a roadmap from Latin America to Europe, usually via Portugal or Spain in, in particular, sometimes via other countries. So that roadmap, that bridge has already been built. We still haven't in Indian football built a bridge from India to Europe. And by the way, it doesn't have to be Europe. It could be other parts of the world. If you don't think a player is good enough to play in one of the top European leagues, Thai league is really tough. The Thai league is really tough. So why don't they go and play in the Thai league? Yeah. So that, that's the basically my point is, you know, uh, players, they need to also take some risk. And of course, the salary part, the sal basic salary for 18 or 19 year old Indian is way higher than what European clubs are ready to pay. And they, Correct. of course, will pay the minimum wages. For example, for Norway, I think minimum wage is $2,000, you know, $2,500. And that also is the good money. You know, it's not something we Indians are making in their normal jobs. That's way more than what uh, the normal person in India is making in their other yes, jobs. But Yes, but there's a higher cost of living as well in a place yeah. like Norway so, and, and many of the European countries. Yeah. So these players, they did not went for the trials even and they are the good clubs, you know, and they wanted to bring them for a long. And mm. I know at least two or three uh, deals where the club were really interested to sign and player did not term, they did not bother to go to, for a mm. trial. You know, they said that it's important to seal the ISL contract and we will see next mm. year. And by the time next yeah. year, next year, the same player is now 23 or 24. He's playing in the ISL. I can't, I can't take the name, but I'm just, you know. And mm -hmm. when Gurpreet moved to Norway, and that time I felt personally, it's not something I want to do it for money. I just wanted to hope that more Indian players will go out. And that's how I followed Gurpreet's journey. Uh, how he I did thought, I thought Gurpreet would break the dam, for want of a, a phrase. That's what I thought he would do. I thought that he would put that crack in the dam that the flood followed, and then there would be a whole load of others come behind him. But he went and did that in 2012. Was it 2012? When he went to Wigan? 
Wigan was 2012. When did yeah. he go? 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, 14, 15, 15, 2015. He went for trial earlier, then went again for 2015. Yeah, 20. And then he had oh, a one month trial. I'm useless with dates. And then but anyway. I, yeah, I got in touch with the Indian origin agent in Norway and he helped and he thought that he can also bring Indian player out. And, and he also he worked for three years uh, from 15 to 16 and 17 till under 17 World Cup. He spent mm. his own money come here, meet players, try to understand them, why it is important for them to move now instead of when they are 22, 23. And in the end of it, he said to me, bro, in in, Hindi and Punjabi told me that bro, I will not come to India again and that's enough. I have my business here. I'm a football Mm -hmm. agent. I have a top player. I have to deal with them. I thought, and because I asked him to do, to help Indian football and he thought that I can do it. I can bring them to uh, Sweden, Norway and Finland. Mm -hmm. He said, no, Nobody can bring Indian players out until unless they make their mind, you know, and their mind is not made because they're they not taking their own right. decisions. Because, uh, by the way, Ashish, I get asked on a regular basis, um, you know, uh, you should speak to this player. It's literally that's how it's said. You should speak to this young talent <laughs> because he is 18 years old or whatever, whatever age he is. Uh, you should speak to this young talent because I think you should take him out of India. And I always reply, no. <laughs> if that young talent is serious and has ambition, he'll come and speak to me. I'm not going to try and waste my time trying to persuade a young talent from India to go abroad. If you do not believe that your game will not be improved by going abroad, then um, don't waste my time. That's the, that, and I'm sorry to be blunt about it, but that's the way it is. Gapreet had a desire to go, to, to go abroad. And not only to go abroad, Ashish, but to stay abroad. Do you know what the average temperature was every time he went back for pre-season training in Norway? Yeah. Because remember, remember the Norwegian league has a different yeah. season. It starts in they March, winter break. Yeah, they, they have a, this long winter break, December, January, February. They February. start their and March. season in it January. It started in March and finished in August or September. Yeah. Um, no, it finished in November. Yeah. Uh, they had a month break in, in July usually. Um, but the season would start, I think it was January, February, March. So the season would start in April and it would run to... November. I remember Gurupit going on a trial in March uh, for a month-long trial, if I remember correctly, and then he signed in April uh, with a, a, a Starback. He's no, he went no. It was a little bit later than that. He signed on. Uh, he signed on National Day, didn't he? Yeah. So he I remember on, he he, signed, he he was there for he one signed, month. He signed, on, he signed on Independence Day, and I think he was already there about two months, maybe. When, yeah. When's Independence Day? It's in August. I don't think he signed in August. Did he sign? Yeah, in he did. Yeah, yeah, he signed. He signed. Yeah, so he was there for a couple of months uh, for a for a longer yeah. trial, if I, if I remember correctly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, if I remember rightly, he went in May, May, May or June. Um, so anyway, I mean, look, the the point of the matter is, it was minus fifteen degrees. It's not easy on a regular basis in January when he went for preseason training. There's not many desis in Oslo. <laughs> There's not an abundance of um, butter chicken, um, <laughs> you know, in, in Oslo. Uh, you know, if you, if he was going to somewhere like um, uh, like Leicester, for example, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of desis in Leicester. Yeah. There's a lot of um, yeah, desis everywhere. So, <laughs> so the climate, the food, the lack of uh, desis. There's not much of a support network. You don't have your friends. You don't have your family. You have to cook yourself. You know, if you, you want know, to eat Capri, Indian food. Preet had that determination. And Gapreet wanted to do it. And not only did he want to do it, he wanted to stay there. He had that determination to stay there. 
Um, and I have not seen, and, and certainly no player has come to me since then, no young player has come to me and said, I want to do the same thing. But not I, seen it, not heard it. Are you, okay. are you happy with uh, whatever the outcome of it, Gurpreet becoming first Indian to play UEFA Europa League game? First Indian to captain the uh, top division club, you know, uh, in the in, yeah. in, in, in the official game, not in the friendly. Yeah. So overall that, and then moving back to Bangalore FC, you know, on a on a good contract, uh, one of the highest paid Indian players yeah. right now in the league. So yeah. do we, I personally do you feel that uh, he could have stayed there longer, tried his uh, luck here and there in other leagues, and of course he was not playing as regularly as he wanted. Asia Cup was also coming, so I think that also played its role in the decision. So, yeah, what did, do you yeah. feel overall? You know, yeah. how did you handle that situation? Yes. Yeah, so, um, with regards to the, the thing about the Europa League is that um, he should be proud of, and I'm very proud of him for for this. Is he got into that Europa League side out of merit, not because it was some sort of marketing gimmick. Um, he got there, and at that particular point in time, he was pushing and pushing, and it, and he was actually starting because the other guy who was the uh, Cameroon Sayubri, International. Uh, Monday, I think his name yeah, was. Yeah, Cameroon International. Um, Played in the FIFA World Cup also. Yeah, Ivory, Ivory Cup Ivory International. Yeah. He was just on a bad run of form. He'd made a lot of mistakes and Gapreet was perform- had been performing well in the cup games. And the reserve games also. Yeah, had just started to, to you know, get into a position where he was like going to be the, the first choice uh, goalkeeper. For Starbeck, and there was some rumor that Sayuba may have been leaving in that particular yeah. summer window anyway. Yeah. So things were just starting to look good, but then you need a bit of luck as well. You know, he broke his hand, that changes everything. Um, he broke his hand in that Europa League game. Like, um, I remember him sending me the, the x ray. So, you know, there was a bit of bad luck as well. But the thing is, no one can take that away from him. But that's not what I judge him on. Um, if you understand football clubs and football clubs in particular in Europe, Ashish, contracts tell you everything about the trust that they have for a player. And what I mean by that is it's not just about the amount of money, it's about the length of time and it's about all of the other clauses that are in that contract. So um, the contract that was given to Gapri was not one year it's plus clear. extension or one year plus um, an option or two years plus an option. It was a three-year three deal. Yeah. Um, and it was a straight three-year deal. So uh, there was no ifs or buts about it. It wasn't a fudge. And I see some contracts and deals done now where you know the agent or whoever will try and make out that it's some special deal. It's not a special deal. It's the club <laughs> doesn't trust the player. So therefore, you know, we're going to pay him for one season and then we'll one see plus what one, happens. One plus two, these kind yeah, of Yeah, one plus one, one plus two, all of those kind of things. So, Capreet never had that. It was an actual three-year deal, which showed you how much trust and faith that they had in him at that time. Um, now, like I said before, the salaries weren't huge because you've got to remember he's coming in as an unproven player, but that's yeah. just the way it goes. So, um, you know, and then all of the, you think about the money with the ISL, but you're absolutely right. You know, I, I'd spoken to Stephen Constantine at and around that time. And Stephen Constantine um, was basically saying, look, um, I need the players to be back in India if they're going to make it into the first team. Now, I didn't understand that logic because surely you pick the best players. You know, uh, let me think of a, of, a, of a player. Mark Schwarzer. 
you know, Mark Schwarzer was playing in England, but his national team is Australia. So what, because he's not playing in Australia, does Mark Schwarzer not become the national team goalkeeper? You know, is he not the best goalkeeper? Surely it's just the best player in the best position. It's got nothing to do with where they're yeah. playing in the world. So there was a bit of pressure on him to, um, to come back. Um, and, 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 and I mean it in many aspects, physical pressure, financial pressure, um, political pressure. Um, so, you know, all of those things put together, that was one of the reasons why I came back. Because, yes, it was the build-up to, uh, to that. So, Asia Cup. Y- yes, to the, to the Asia Cup and to force his way into the national team. But, you know, what Gaprit has done is, is phenomenal. I'm just disappointed, like I said, that more players didn't follow. And, you know, let's be realistic here. And Gaprit will be realistic with you as well. Gaprit is not going to go on and be the goalkeeper of, of Real Madrid, um, you know, uh, after Stalbeck or whatever, but he's moved the Indian football frontier further forward. And that's what every single one of us should be trying to do. You, me, coaches, Igor Stimak, Gaprit, Sunil, whoever it is, if you look at anyone involved in Indian football, that's the question that should be asked. Are you moving the Indian football frontier forward? And if the answer to that is no or a maybe, get out of my way. I'm not interested. Go away. You know? So did Stephen Constantine move the Indian football frontier forward? Yes, he did. Are some of these agents moving the Indian football frontier forward? Have they got a talent in their stable that they're just going, you know what? You just cruise here in third gear. Or does this player have the ability, but they need pushed and they need advice to go out. They need advice to take a risk. There is no shame whatsoever, Ashish, in going and, and, um, and Stalin. I hope he, he, he's a success in Portugal. There is no shame. But even if he's not a success over there and he fails and he comes back after one year, I will be the first person to applaud him when he returns uh, to India. And Good he, luck to him. He will come back as a better player for sure. You know? He will come back as a better player, Ashish. A better person also. Developed person. So do you feel the overall as a footballing body or footballing country, India, is not supporting our footballers? Say, in case of Gurpreet, you, you, the demand of Stephen, you know, because I remember Gurpreet making those trips for the friendly games uh, because European clubs don't release the players uh, uh, as early as the Indian club. So, Gurpreet was traveling, you know, from one continent to another continent and he was not playing the games, you know. I, I remember Subroto Paul starting ahead of him and sometimes we also felt, you know, uh, this is harsh on him because he was playing for the reserve league in Norway, I think, which mm-hmm. is maybe at the same level or way, maybe same level same or level. above the I League. I think it's, it's way above the I League. Same level, Ashish. Same level. Uh, someone who's never watched the reserve league in Norway, or the first league in Norway, or whatever, it was. I can honestly say the reserve league in Norway, because I went and watched a lot of reserve games, especially when Gaprit was playing. The reserve league in Norway at that time, in comparison to the I-League, would be five or six levels above the I-League. Yeah, so which was sad, right? And then still not making to the national team. And and still, uh, yeah, because the the national team was still in this kind of no-man's land. So you remember the Bob Houghton days. Now, Bob Houghton, um, as the national team coach, would have the Indian team together for three months. Yeah. And now the reason he had to have the Indian team together for three months was because their levels of fitness were appalling and were all over the place. You'd get one player who was quite fit, most of the players who were unfit. So we used to get through these three-month camps. 
And that's what Stephen Constantine was trying to do in his early days. He recognized the same issue. Um, he recognized that there was a huge difference in levels of fitness. And he, so he was trying to get this squad together as early as possible to try and put some, some levels of fitness into them. It's very difficult to make a player fit in a short period of time. You know, it takes months to get um, players up to speed and to, to have that level of match fitness. So, um, you know, they wanted Gaprit to join up with the squad on the first day. But as you, as, as anyone watching this may or may not know, there are FIFA rules about the windows in which players can be released. There are specific dates, actually, yeah. that FIFA allow players to be released. Well, Starbeck, you know, he was there at that time. He was their second choice keeper. They needed Gaprit in case the first choice keeper, because a, a goalkeeper is in a contact position. You know, someone can, can hit him, can knock into him, can, in Capri's case, in the Europa League game, break his hand. So, you know, all of those things can happen. So they're not going to give away their backup goalkeeper um, just because Stephen Constantine wants to, to make the squad fit. And remember as well that he's a goalkeeper. So it's a different type of fitness. It's, it's more sort of explosive up-down plyometric fitness than it is cardio fitness that a goalkeeper needs. So, yeah, he was under a lot of pressure at that time, a lot of pressure, but especially political pressure, which is crazy because they couldn't see the big picture, Ashish. The big picture is, you know, the player that is currently your number one goalkeeper in India, bar none, by the way, and I'll tell you why, bar none, and I'm not saying that because I'm biased. I'm saying that because go and look at his stats from just last season, never mind the season before, the golden glove. There was... There was teams and players were even trying to manipulate the Golden Glove competition, you know, because they'd worked out that the average percentage was based on clean sheets and saves per minutes. And if they played less games, it, it pushed your percentage up, you know, whereas Gaprit was playing all the games and was still delivering on being the, the, the best goalkeeper. And then, of course, they, they uh, changed the rules, didn't they, where you had to have played a minimum number minimum of games in the course of a season. Yeah. Um, to to qualify for the Golden Glove and the percentages, they were trying to manipulate that with um, uh, with uh, what's his name? His name just not just uh, anyway. I'll come back for me. Um, yeah, they tried to manipulate that, but anyway. So you know, it it was a challenge. It was tough for him, and I don't think anyone realizes uh, how tough it was for him to put all of that pressure on him in a situation that was not of his making. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, Joe, you were speaking about Guru Singh Sandhu, his move to India, coming to Bangalore FC, getting the Golden Glove, how tough was for him. So, can you also tell there was a talk of having a Portuguese offer uh, while the time he joined Bangalore FC, there was a Portuguese club interested in him, but eventually it, 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 the playing time which made the decision for him, you know, that he wanted to play before the Isha Cup to get his spot for Isha Cup. So can you tell about that? Yeah, I mean, it was just a case of running out of time because the, uh, the window, uh, the transfer window closed at the point. It was going to be a very complex deal, but the transfer window closed and it just ran out of time for him to be able to, um, for the reasons we spoke about earlier, to be involved in India um, to be close to the Indian setup, as in the national team setup. Um, but we just ran out of time. It was as simple as that. Because the, the deal was going to be that he would go to Boa Vista, 
and that he would be loaned to uh, Bengaluru. Um, but the Boa, it was going to be too complicated to do both of the things in what was literally, I think the whole thing happened in 48 hours, maybe something like that before the window closed. So um, it was just, it was, you know, just too difficult to do. So uh, just, you know, before we wrap this part, there's a question uh, which I have personally. Did Bangalore FC pay any transfer fee to get the signature of Gurupit Sindhu from Starback FC? Um, that is information that I can't give you. So now moving to the our next topic, uh, what do you think is the you know Indian football need to do in next two three years to make that rapid progress we are talking about? The progress is there, but it is very slow. So what do you think are the two two or three important points you know we need to change or do in next uh, three years so that we can move forward quickly? Um, some of these things Ashish have, have touched on already, so I'm just repeating myself. One is. Um, they must have a longer season, must, must have a longer season um, because of the number of games that we already spoke about. If you go to the end of the league campaign, it's, uh, what is it, 18 games or something? Yeah. If you go to the final, it's only 21 games. That's just simply not enough for not only the players who are regular starters, but we are trying to encourage talent to come through as well. So that talent needs time it needs 10, 15 minutes at the end of a game uh, to feature. Or um, if they're going to start a game, some upcoming talent, then you need them, you know, 18 games is not enough, in which case a coach is going to take a risk. So that's number one. Number two is my belief of the 15 years that I've been following Indian football, my belief has not changed, Ashish. Get the best players out. And I'll say not just best players, Ashish, uh, out of the country to much better leagues to go and if need be to go and fail and come back they'll still come back better players but also the coaches as well I mean don't get me started Ashish on referees the referee and standards are so shockingly bad in India that it is now a joke and um, in some cases I watch matches and I'm actually looking at the game and thinking to myself is this referee so incompetent or is this referee in some way, shape, or form doing something which is, um, uh, what's the word, that's um, conducive to manipulating this match? I have to be careful with my words. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because the errors are that outrageous that I would be looking at it and going, either you are so bad, and I mean so bad as a referee, or you're trying to manipulate the outcome of this game. So whichever one it is, it's, uh, it's just not acceptable. But coming back to the coaches, the coaches themselves, you know, everything is about raising your standards. And like I said before, being in that football environment, Ashish, where you're surrounded by better people. So these coaches should be going and joining um, uh, teams in Europe as youth coaches or as uh, assistant coaches to learn their trade and then to come back to India and to implement that because the coaches aren't improving. And I'll tell you why it's important because, number one, if you do not know what talent looks like, how can you choose talent? And I'll give you a little anecdote, Ashish. I went, um, I was in uh, Bombay, this is many years ago. I was at the, uh, the Cooperage or a piece of ground near the Cooperage and they were doing some selection trials for, uh, don't quote me on this, Ashish, but I think it was about the under-12 age group, if I remember rightly. Okay. It was either under-12 or under-13. So I just went along. I had the afternoon off, so I went along to have a look 
at what they were doing. And they had a couple of guys, a bunch of uh, seven-a-side games, um, 15 minutes each way. They were just um, putting the teams out, assessing the players, and they were picking out any players that needed to be selected and go on and progress. So, uh, as you well know, and anyone who's been to that patch of ground, the ground's really bad. It's really rough, um, uneven, not, you know, not good for football. So, um, they, I went to watch one of the games, seven aside, 15 minutes, and they selected as their player, their star player, that was going to be, you know, like uh, American Idol or X Factor, the, the guy who was going to, the young kid who was going to go on. Uh, they selected the striker who had banged in two goals. I forget how many he scored. Two goals, three goals. Now, this striker, either there was an age fraud situation, I don't know, or the striker was just big for his age and he was bullying the opposition defence, so it was very easy for him to score because the, the difference in height and power was chalk and cheese. However, on the, uh, on the same team, there was a defender who was not the biggest, left foot, right foot on the worst piece of ground to play football on that I've seen in a long time. Under pressure, he was so comfortable and so composed. Now, I'm not a coach, and I've never been a scout, and I don't know the difference between good talent and bad talent, but I have watched, uh, what is it, probably 6,000 games of my career so far at the top level. So I know the difference between a donkey and someone who has got something about them, yeah? Would they go on to play for Real Madrid? I don't know. I'm not that gifted and I'm, I'm not that experienced in terms of coaching and scouting. But I do know when I can see someone who is comfortable on both feet, which is important in, in high-level modern football now, and someone who's comfortable under pressure. And he was playing in central defense. Now, they didn't even look at him. They didn't even consider him. So players getting out, get the best talent out of the country so that they can go and further their abilities, even if it's to take them up one level, two levels, 10 levels, get the coaches out, and if necessary, get the referees out as well, because you can always bring them back. The other thing that I would add on top of that, Ashish, is players of Indian origin. This rule has got to be bloody changed. And the argument I always get back is, yes, but if you put a player of Indian origin into the national team squad, that player is taking, or, or into a club team, that player is taking the place of a potential young talent. No, 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 no. You can implement this policy for a 10-year period, for example, and then reverse it if necessary. But in that 10 years, it gives you the chance to develop all of that young talent. You see what I'm saying? And to build up their ability and to build up a strong pool of young talent. And I use the example of Jamal Buyan with Bangladesh. Jamal has become the poster boy for Bangladesh yeah. because Jamal is clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the Bangladeshi and team in terms of his ability. He's a technical player compared to other Bangladeshi players. He's technically he's, very he's strong. much more technical. He's fitter. He's stronger. You can tell that his football schooling has taken place in a much better country in a much better league. And I think so can you basics imagine of football, if you, you can see the difference, you know, normal player or between him. Yeah, by the way, Jamal would, would walk easily into the Indian national team. He'd walk into any SAF team, anyone. He's the, you know, he's the best midfielder in the whole of uh, the, the, the SAF region. So, you know, if you bring that player in, if you add three, four players 
Um, and there's a number of them out there. Um, uh, I can't remember the name. What's the name of the young lad who's at uh, Bayern Munich? He's uh, just Sar been loaned Sarpeet out, Singh. hasn't he? Sarpeet Singh. Uh, Sa Sarpeet Singh, is it? Yeah. Um, and you've got Harpreet Singh in Harpreet Norway. Singh, Nit Nit yeah, Norway. Nitin Sansura in England. Uh, yeah, and Danda in Swansea. Uh, Danny Bart, uh, yeah, who's Danny Bart. Uh, it, it's Stoke, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He was so, yeah, uh, last Stoke with the Wolves and joined Stoke. Yeah, so if you have those players in your team, let me tell you now what I was talking about before, about going into the top 10 in Asia. They'll be within the top 10 in Asia like that in literally one year, 18 months. Yeah. I think the uh, Indian origin players, that's a different debate altogether because that's in the hand of the Indian government, not in the hand of the Federation. But just a quick question, Jamal, are you surprised that any ISL team has not approached him or not tried to sign him? Uh, we've seen Chencho coming to I-League, then coming to ISL. So do you have any message to those ISL team directors or CEOs watching this? That do you well, think good enough to play? Of course, I think he, he will be good enough for... Oh yeah, yeah, with, yeah, without question. I think, uh, but it, I wouldn't necessarily blame them. Um, the, the 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 thing that's probably putting a question mark in their heads, Ashish, is that they don't know what the ruling is going to be in terms of foreigners. Because I'm guessing a Bangladeshi is classed as a foreign player. Yeah, yeah. So if they can get uh, one of the, and this would be great to develop football right across this, the Indian subcontinent. Because someone like Jamal Buyan, from a commercial point of view, if you put him into an Indian Super League club... Say, for example, ATK Mohan Bagan now, you know? So. For example, Mohan Bagan. If you put him into a, an Indian Super League club, he brings the whole of Bangladesh with him in terms of eyeballs, commercial, um, uh, marketing. He, he brings all that with him. So he's a valuable asset in that regard. You know, why do teams want the Neymars of this world? Well, Neymar's a good player, but he's not the best player in the world. And in my opinion, he's not even the fifth best player in the world. But he brings huge commercial opportunities with him. And, and Jamal Buyan would do the same. So I think what they should do is the AFC should look at it and say, look, in the, to develop uh, football in the Indian subcontinent, countries like Nepal, countries like uh, Bhutan, countries like Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, for example, is allow... Uh, those players to be an additional player. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, there were so talks the, of having a quota for uh, South Asian footballers, which will not count as yeah. a normal uh, foreigners, but an extra slot for yeah. them, you know, for South Asian yeah. footballers. Yeah. So I think they were... And, 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 the, and the Indian Super League as well, Ashish, they would benefit from it because it would add eyeballs and then thus revenue to as a, as a franchise. Yeah, I think... If you're following MLS model, MLS did same, I think, in USA. You see, they allowed club from Canada to play into it. Maybe in future, mm. they can they can maybe have one franchisee from Bangladesh or from Nepal, maybe. Correct. Yeah. Not, it's yeah. not and far, it, it, you know. It's, it's, it's a couple of hours flight from a couple of Indian cities. So, it's not that you're going yeah. too far to play. And, and, and by the way, there's enough money in Bangladesh um, yeah. to back a, a franchise. Without yeah. question of a doubt, there's enough money. Nepal doesn't have as much money. Um, probably to back a franchise, certainly not at the moment anyway. They might but they have, the future, they have but very passionate fans, you know. I'm sure if, mm. if any good club come from Nepal, and they can send lots of merchandise because mm. people are very crazy for Nepali football there. Yeah. yeah. So, so just a couple of questions more. Uh, do you think it's the right time to remove the salary cap? So ISL has salary cap of uh, 16.5 crores Indian rupees uh, uh, <laughs> for, uh, for all these squad. 
So do you think it's time for come um, that give the uh, clubs opportunity to sign what they want, even if they want to sign five crores, ten crores, or fifteen crores, and even they want to send some big players for twenty-five crores? Does it matter? Do you um, think for a longer run? Ashish, that's a great question, and it's a really tough one because I have um, split feelings on this. So number one is I'm all for an open market. Um, which whereby the forces of the market should decide uh, what the salary is. You know, if it's a super talent, Lionel Messi isn't quite on um, a million a week, but he's pretty close. I think now, no one would argue August. that. Sorry, he's nearly on a million on the week now. I think the new contract. Yeah. So, yeah. So no one would argue that Lionel Messi deserves a million a week. Not only is he the best player in the world, but also he brings huge commercial revenues uh, with him. Uh, because the whole world uh, loves to watch Lionel Messi. So, um, so I'm all for open market forces. However, however, Indian football is still in its infancy. And for the reasons that I said earlier on, I do not want it to go the same way as the first incarnation of Major League Soccer, where they were throwing around such big salaries. Remember, George Best went to play in America uh, in the early 80s, uh, Pele was there, um, Beckenbauer went to play. Everyone went there for big salaries, not to enhance the football uh, that was the first, the first incarnation of the MLS back in the 80s. And that was one of the major reasons that it went bankrupt as an as a entity. So you have to pr protect the short-term survival for the long-term gain. So removing salary caps. You see, the other side of it as well, Ashish, is you know what, there'll be a few smart people that work out a way around it. So I'll give you an example. When they were trying to really elevate rugby in, uh, in the UK in the early 90s, uh, sorry, late 90s, as the professionalism took place in rugby, when it went from the amateur era to, to professional era, they had salary caps as well. But all they did was they would pay in a salary to the wife of the player. Yeah, so, so that's, that's how they got around the salary cap. So... so who says that they'll not do the same thing? No, so I think it's already happening in Indian football also. And there is already acquisition from the, some fans, say for 80K, that how they're managing to build this squad, you know, in the same budget, other teams not able to build. So they are Roy Kusnar, mm. David Williams, last season playing for them. And they are already question mm. mark on that also. But of course, the word we are told that, you know, they are, they are under the salary cap. So it's on the club how they're managing it. So I think... Mm. Uh, it's open. I think you can also clubs need to invest in the youth development also. So I think that's the reason they want to limit the spend on the first team so that club can spend mm -hmm. that money on youth development, youth teams, uh, grassroots development also mm -hmm. and academy development also. So I think that's the main mm -hmm. reason to put the salary cap. I think let's see how they deal with it going ahead. Another question mm -hmm. which I have is... It's a difficult one. Yeah. It's a so difficult you one. You have to find a balance between, you know, uh, mm -hmm. both the things. And same type of question. Do you think uh, it is correct or right time for ISL to implement three plus one corner rules. I think which likely to be implemented from next season. Do you think it's the right time for it to do it, or we should wait have yes. more corners? Okay. No. How do, why do you think? Um, and the reason is uh, there will always be a period of adaption. Um, there will always be a period where some clubs suffer because you immediately have gone to three plus one. But the fact of the matter is the ISL the quicker it aligns with AFC rules, the quicker they become part of the AFC. And what I mean by that is being able to compete on a regular basis in AFC competitions. So 
it's no good being the best team in India because you've got six foreigners and then all of a sudden you have to go and compete in AFC and you struggle because you can only play three of those foreigners plus one. So, you know, what's the point in that? The, 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 people aren't looking ahead, Ashish, that's the thing. The most important priority for any club franchise in India should not be the Indian Super League. It should be AFC competition. It should be being the best club in Asia. Why is that important? Well, first of all, from a commercial point of view, it makes, uh, whether it's your brand sponsorship, you're it's playing huge, against huge team difference. in South Korea. It's a huge difference. And also for the Indian players themselves. If, they, if, if the more Indian players that are going out and competing in Asian competition, AFC competitions, such as the AFC Champions League, uh, or the AFC uh, Cup, that the more they have exposure to the kind of players and the kind of teams they're going to come up against when it comes to Asian qualifiers, which is very important. So, um, and you want your teams to be successful, but because when I say exposure, I'm talking about minutes on the pitch. Now, if, if the teams are just simply not good enough, the Indian teams are just not good enough, and they play one game in AFC competition. I mean, normally it's group games, so they'll get a certain number of games. If they only play those and they get spanked in every single one and they get knocked out, that's not exactly a lot of exposure, is it? But if you get past the group stages or if you get past the qualifiers or if you get past the, the knockouts, and as long as you go in that com competition, every single minute that they go in that competition is more experience and it's more understanding of how the game is played at that level. And remember, you've got some pretty impressive teams in AFC competition. Very impressive teams and some very impressive countries as well. And I think very impressive foreign players also in Japan, in China, they're, you know, they're good foreigners. Correct. And I South think in, if, if you see in recent times, since rule is changed in I-League, I-League used to have three plus one. They also moved into five, mm. six foreigners. Indian clubs started struggling in AFC Cup also, by the way. I think it can you can see the direct implementation of that rule. Yeah, yeah, I think yes. also started struggling in uh, AFC Cup and the Asian Yeah, but wait a second, Ashish. There's going to be a short-term struggle before there's a long-term gain. And uh, I'll tell you what it's comparable to. And I was reading, not so long, rereading because I read it originally a few years ago, but rereading some chapters in Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, book. You know, he openly admits now, he didn't at the time, but he openly admits now that the, the mentality and the strategy that he had and his coaching staff had for Manchester United to win the league had to be changed for Manchester United to win the Champions League. You see what I'm saying? So uh, that, that's the point. It's like, uh, yes, you might lose out in the short term, but long term, you're going to get a better understanding of what is required to compete in AFC competition successfully. You know, that's what I'm saying. When before in I-League, there was three plus one for uh, foreign rule. You know, then Bangalore made to final, East Bengal made to semi-final, and other clubs also made to the higher stage of the AFC Cup. But since the rule is changed in I-League also, uh, I-League now they allow five or six foreigners in last couple of seasons, Indian clubs started struggling in Asia because we've increased the foreigners in domestically in I-League mm -hmm. and ISL already have more foreigners. And that's our mm -hmm. last, if you see last two or three year result, of Bangalore, Chennai, Minerva, mm. everybody struggled in AFC Cup. We're not able to qualify mm. to knockout stage also. So I think, yeah, longer yeah. term, it will help in Indian football. So we are just about to wrap this. Last question. We know that you're a big fan of Anrit Thapa. I'm also one of those. So any other player who impressed you other than Thapa? So a couple of Indian uh, youngsters who, uh, who you liked uh, in recent time? Um, 
Who's impressed me? Hmm. I always have great things to say about Sandesh Jingen. However, and Sandesh knows this. Um, however, I think Sandesh is more than capable of performing at a much higher level. And when I say a much higher level, I mean Europe. And I think Sandesh should have left quite a few years ago. I really do. Um, I think he maybe got a little bit comfortable, possibly. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning behind it was. Um, when I look at Sandish, I look at someone who has a tremendous amount of ability. I, I know um, you were asking me the question about youngsters, but uh, in Sandish, you wouldn't necessarily class in the youngsters, youngsters category. You know, when he break into I the just, scene in 2014, when he was an ISL emerging player, he can play as a right mm. back, left back, right foot, left foot, very comfortable technically also. He is, yeah, his understanding of the game, um, he's quite quick as well. Um, you know, I just feel he's, he's, he's not operating at his full potential. And that's not, and what I mean by that is, uh, I don't think he's ever been pushed to his full potential. And when you're playing in those European leagues, you get pushed to your full potential. Whether you like it or not, you either get pushed by the coaches or you get pushed by your peers because you're surrounded yeah, by other players who are just as good and probably better than you in most cases. So you raise your level. Remember what I was talking about before? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think he would be... Who else? Um, by the way, Sandesh has left Kerala and there were talks yeah. of him going to Bundesliga to club for a trial. But now due to Corona, I think it's traveling is yeah. not possible. Yeah, I think uh, you always have to be careful. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were talking about it as if Gapri had gone to the moon when he went for his trial at Wigan. Part of the reason for going to the Wigan trial was that, just to prove a point, that getting a trial is dead easy. There are advisors and agents, Ashish, who tell players that I can get you a trial in this country as if it's some big prize, like you've won the lottery or... Um, you know, you, you've won a place in the final of, of Idol or X Factor. It's nonsense. I can get you a trial, Ashish. No problem <laughs> at all. Getting a contract, however, I think or a long-term trial or a loan deal for a season or more is very difficult. Okay. Very difficult. There's two things that really annoy me, Ashish. Um, two items of bullshit, if you like, in Indian football uh, that I've heard of. One is um, the trial thing that I was just saying. The other is that uh, trials within India have to be paid for. There's some academy <laughs> saying that, yeah. uh, by the way, if you bring your son for a trial, it only costs um, so many rupees and uh, you know he could be the next potential star. <laughs> if a club, whether it's professional, semi-professional, or even amateur, wants you, and puts you on trial and takes you, you should never, ever have to pay for that trial, ever. Yeah. yeah. So other than Sandesh Shingar, you were thinking about any other youngsters which you have liked in recent time? During the Asia Cup, maybe you watch India from the stands? I, um, my silence says it all. My silence says it all. I think Indian players need to like, improve uh, their performance. Uh, uh, you, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not. Uh, you're asking me about new players or upcoming players, is what you're asking me about, Ashish. So yeah, I'm not mentioning about Gapreet. I'm yeah. not mentioning about uh, okay, Sunil Chetri. Yeah, who are 21, 22, about, 23? You know, something like Sahil, Brendan, yeah. and these these type of players. Yeah. No. It, it's. 
Uh, Thapa is of course the one which you like. You know, Brandon, uh, Brandon for me has tremendous ability, but uh, when you're playing some of these teams and you get that game, by the way, he was very impressive in the game that I watched against Oman. Yeah. Very impressive, Brandon Fernandez. Um, in fact, I would say he was probably my man of the match. But here's the thing. If you, are to be, if you want a team that, to be built around that player or any kind of talented player, um, that player has to be consistent in every formation under serious pressure playing against any team. And that's the answers that I haven't quite got yet from the times that I've seen Brandon. I see him perform fabulous in one game and the next game he goes a little bit quiet and, and is anonymous. So I'm not totally convinced yet about Brandis. Brandon. He's got, you know, he's got ability. He's got playing ability. But I liken him to um, a player called Amuri, Omar Abdul Rahman, who is a, a big, big star here in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. Now, he's had opportunities to go to France. He's had opportunities to go and, and uh, go on loan with Manchester City. He hasn't done it. Now, he's the same. When you see him in international competition or when you see him playing here in the, in the United Arab Emirates, He's got loads of time and space on the ball because yeah. that's the nature of the games. When you go to France, it's intense. You go to, to England, it's intense. You're going to get kicked. Or if you don't get kicked, someone is on you. Right, right on you. On pressurizing you all the time. So, Ashish, now can he play? You understand? Now can he play with the intensity, with the pace of the game? Can Brandon Fernandez deliver that if the game is going up and down the field for 90 minutes? Jurgen Klopp and his Liverpool side won the league with what? Gagan pressing. Gagan pressing requires every member of the outfield to be running and pushing both High offensively and defensively for 90 minutes, 90 plus minutes if you include injury time. Can Brandon Fernandez do that? No, 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 not in my opinion. So, you know, you're wanting high-intensity players, players who can go up and down, up and down, and they can hit that killer ball, that beautiful little pass, that little piece of magic, you know? The Messi's, Ronaldo's, even the Neymar's of this world can all do that. They can all do that. So I think... So, but Brandon Fernandez, I'm glad you picked him out because he's a question mark. For me, um, I think he's got. I think he needs to show talent. more, right? He needs to show more that, as you're saying, he can yeah. play in a specific formations or situation. Also, one thing yeah, which it, I it, 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 yeah, uh, I am being yeah, I am being calling him um, under 14 days, and I think coaches are still not sure what is his best position because he's a number 10, and neither Lovera mm. or neither Igor Stimagas played him as a number 10. You know, Lovera played mm. him as a left finger. Uh, Igor played as a number eight. So I think he's a more of a number 10, but now modern coaches are now moving away from that number 10 formation, you know. We need to be either... Well, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say they're moving away from it. There's, there's, there's certain teams that are still doing it. Um, you know, the name that springs to mind is João Felix at um, Atletico Madrid. But, but it's not about that. It's, it's about having the adaptability. There will be certain games where Brandon might have to play wide of a three, there are other games where he might have to play off the, the number nine. Um, you have to be adaptable, which comes back to the consistency issue. You know, 
it's no good for me as a coach if Brandon, when they're playing, let's say, for example, 4-4-2, and he's off the, uh, off the striker, he's brilliant. But as soon as they go, go to a, a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, but let's say 4-2-3-1 formation, he disappears out of the game. What, what is the point of that player? Because he's a talented player. You have to be able to understand and adapt. And it's like Sahal. I mean, yeah, you know, he's developed so much his um, awareness, tactical awareness during the course of this season. Some people only see his ability at his feet. But you cannot just have ability at the feet. And I'll tell you why. Because as he develops as a player and as he becomes a better big player and as he becomes the star or the fulcrum of a team, when you go up against opposition, especially in Asian competition, they just shut him out the game. So he has to be smart enough to still contribute to the team when the opposition is focused on him. And you can only do that if you have good tactical understanding and awareness. You, you, you can't be a one-man player, a one-man team, you know, on one player. You can't do that. You can't win anything with that. So that's what happened, you know, uh, the, the previous season, which ended just now, a couple of months back, Elko did not play, play him much during the season. And Elko reasoning was that he liked him. He's a, one of the talented, most talented players he has coached in India. But he felt that he needed to learn the tactical side of the game. And he did not played mm. much for Elko throughout the season. And there was mm. complaint from the fans, you know. Now he just signed new deal with Kela Blaster. Uh, he's a po- now, after Sunday's left, he is their poster boy. A big deal, by the way. A longer term deal with a release clause. So let's see what he do, you know. In the upcoming season, they want him to perform because I think Kivu might build team around him, he might be given the number 10 spot in the uh, playing 11. So, mm. hopefully that he will able to, you know, uh, develop his game this season because he need to, He also need to take next step, you know. He is now breaking in the scene. Now, he need to play continuously at a high level so that uh, he can go and perform for India also. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, what do you do next with Sahal? You know, what do you do with him? He's, uh, how old is Sahal? 21, is he? Yeah, 21. And now sign, I think, long-term yeah, so, deal with Kerala Blasters. So, he's not, I think he's not going out in decent time, in decent years now. Uh, well, that, that, yeah, that doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, <laughs> Neymar signed a five-year contract and left after two. Um, it doesn't mean anything, the, the length of a deal. Um, no, for Indian players do, because no, none of the European clubs are going to pay any transfer fee for Indian players. Because, you know, our level is not yeah, as good as the Brazilian footballers, for sure. Yeah, but you've got to always remember the transfer fee is at the behest of the club who owns his registration. Yeah. So the club can say, you know what, if Real Madrid come in for you, we can relinquish our demand on the transfer fee and instead ask for a sell-on clause. You know, yeah. there might be a sell-on clause in there. So, yeah. um, you know, there's many, many ways you can construct the deal. Uh, it's, it's not just one size fits all. But anyway, that's not the point I was going to make. The point I was going to make was the clock's ticking. A European club is not going to take a 21, almost going on to 22-year-old. Where's the future value, you know, in taking a player from a place like India and hoping, because because of those steps that I mentioned earlier on in our interview, you know, yeah. it's going to take five years to get him in a position. People, you know, go and look at Martin Odegaard. Martin Odegaard came from a reasonably competitive league, which was Norway. He was playing every week in the Tippen League and in Norway which is a very good standard, by the way. Yeah. And then he went, and he was playing in that league at 15 and 16 years old, and then he went to Real Madrid and just wasn't ready. He wasn't good enough at that stage. However, 
He's now gone through all the levels. I think he went to Holland for a period. A couple of loans. He's come back. He's, he's with Real Sociedad. Uh, he's on loan, sorry, at Real Sociedad. Now, Mark Nodigal is starting again in a position where he's ready for Real Madrid. But how And I think there are talks of him now. 20? 20. There are talks of him now staying at Madrid this season. Correct. So, you see how it's taken a player like Martin Odegaard, who, um, how do I describe this, Ashish, was ready. And what I mean by ready was fit enough, strong enough, had enough experience in a top league in Europe, not the top league in Europe, playing regularly at 16 years old. And you compare him with the likes of a Sahal, who has not been playing in a top league, who is not fit enough, strong enough in comparison to his contemporaries, to another 21-year-old who is in a European uh, league, and you expect him to walk straight into the Real Madrid team. It's fantasy. So the, the thing is that it would take, you know, look how long it took Gaprit just to be in a position where he was on a level with his peers in Norway. It and took him the best part of that three-year period. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess a goalkeeping position is slightly different, but it took him the best part of three years to be at that level. So, and, and that's a goalkeeping position. So imagine an outfield player, you're talking about four or five years, just so. If he's 21, 22, you add five years to that, Ashish, you're then talking about 27. Hmm. Too late. Too late. Too late. I think Indian players should leave before the uh, 20, because eventually we can't sign, European club can't sign. 20, our... Ashish. No, Indian no. players... Indian players should go out at the first legal opportunity, which is 16. Yeah. No, no, but they can't sign till they turn 18, by the way, uh, for the European clubs. No, no but, you, no, but you can leave the country at 16. Yeah, you can leave the country, you can go on the scholarship, maybe train with the team, play in the academy, but they can't find any contract with the European clubs. I think uh, UEFA has this rule, you know. Eventually, uh, outside the European Union, they can't sign player until they turn 18. There's ways and means, actually. Yeah, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you Joe for you know taking time out I think it was a uh, very good experience for me for hopefully for our viewers also and I hope you enjoyed this and we're looking forward to when you come to Delhi maybe next time to meet and talk and discuss more thank you very much hopefully yeah. you will be following ISL this season uh, if it takes place hopefully everyone stays safe and healthy Ashish that's the most important okay. thing looking forward to La Liga games also next season uh, yeah, just a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I think it's on on our head now. 12th, 12th so, of September. Any yeah. any prediction for La Liga title next season? Just before we wrap this up. Oh, oh, you're asking me a really tough question. You know, the thing is, it's about what happens in the next couple of weeks. Barcelona is in an absolute mess. The entire squad's been put up for sale. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to look past Real Madrid. I think they've got their house in order in terms of the young talent. Um, yes, they might lose one or two in the summertime, but uh, the players that are coming through, you know, they've got a very strong side. Atletico can't be as bad as they were last season when you consider the quality that's in that Atletico team. Yeah. Um, Sevilla, you know, on the back of the Europa League, you've got to say are a strong, strong side. Um, Bilbao, I thought, was strong last year as well. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of teams underperformed last year. Really oh, under. I, yeah, I, I think it was a situation also because of COVID, you know. Um, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, was a, it, was a, the, it was a strange one. Yeah. So, Real Madrid for La Liga. Uh, what about Premier League? Premier League. Um, Just one team you I, have to pick. 
Oh, just one team. I can't see. I can't see past. It's Liverpool and Manchester City. They're just they're such a distance between them and the other side. Um, I'm going to flip a coin between Liverpool and Manchester City. Okay. I don't think Manchester City can perform as badly as they did this season. Yeah, yeah. So, and they were just spectacular the season before. And I think they will add maybe one or two to their team that makes that difference. So okay. I'm going to go for Man City. And Champions League? Champions League is anybody. <laughs> That's what I love about the Champions League, especially if they continue with the knockout format, which I, I really like. I think the really UEFA like. president has said that they will consider this, but not for this TV deal. Because TV is already mm. done for home and away uh, uh, style. There's only one thing I think UEFA got wrong is because it was compacted into one month um, because of everything that happened, they should have brought the kickoff times earlier. They, they, you know, they kind of ignore us fans in Asia. <laughs> Asia, It's yeah. like, you know, there's nothing stopping you from bringing the kickoff times maybe one hour or two hours earlier. Okay, in so my opinion, I yeah, think I think they had an opportunity to increase their fan base um, yeah, across Asia. You know, people that would not normally have watched the Champions League if you'd brought the the games just a couple of hours earlier, maybe three hours earlier. I think you could have built a much bigger fan base uh, okay. for next season. So I think they got that badly wrong. So last last quick fire question: Indian Super League 2020-21 winner, who is think favorite for you? Have you been following uh, the transfers which happening as of now in Indian football? Well, uh, the coaches and the players who are coming in, in particular teams. And um, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you the answer to the league league stage, yeah. the league stage, because the playoffs is Mickey Mouse. It's anybody's. Um, I'm going to give you the answer to the league stage. I think ATK Mohan Bagan could be a serious force to finish top of the league. But, um, and obviously, FC Goa is always strong. But what I'm worried about Goa is when you start getting involved in Asian competition, it becomes a distraction. You know, you have that extra traveling and all those kind of things. So, but there's still a strong side, Goa. Still a strong side. <laughs> hey, look, I'm going to have to go with my loyalties uh, to Gapreet and say Ben. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. Thank you very answer, much. Joe. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining in. So it was lovely to speak to you. And I think you gave us all the answer very frankly and very openly. And great to know your thinking behind, you know. So hopefully people will enjoy Ashish, can I just say thank you very much. It was a, a fabulous conversation. And the reason I say it was a fabulous conversation, I've been doing a lot of interviews over the last couple of months. And what I found refreshingly different about this was because it was about Indian football. Everyone wants to know my opinions on world football. But, you know, I don't have very many discussions on Indian football and I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, talking about Indian football. And I think every opportunity to talk about it for um, platforms like yourself, we should all be talking about it. You know, the more digital space is used up by people talking football instead of cricket or WWE, <laughs> you know, the better as far as I'm concerned. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you everyone for watching it. Uh, we are looking forward to hosting you in, in our next, next episode.